what we do in the fire service, whether it's tactics or whether it's leadership, is a practice. And and I ask people, you know, if you if you have an attorney, the reason law is a practice is because laws change. They change from case law, legislation, um, all these they, they change from a number of reasons. And you want, I would venture to guess, an attorney who is practicing law, <laughs> not one that has practiced law. Right. Right. Medicine is the same way. You want a, 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 a cardiac surgeon that's going to work on you who's practicing medicine, <laughs> not one that has practiced medicine. That's a great and point. So in the fire service, we want leaders and tacticians who are practicing our profession, not ones that have practiced it. The First Responder Liaison Network is proud to present to you the Kitchen Table the Podcast. Kitchen Table. Where our guests come share their stories, their perspectives, and their message, talking all things leadership. Now, here's your host, Berlin Mazza. Good morning, and welcome, everybody, to The Kitchen Table. Our show is brought to you by the First Responder Liaison Network. The network is organized for the development, implementation, and ongoing support of mentorship and professional development programs inspiring our youth and young adults to mature into engaged civic leaders and resilient community sentinels. Music and graphics are brought to you by Kai Elephant Productions. And we kick off the new year with our guest, Fire Chief Jason Hovelman. Chief Hovelman has been a career firefighter for 28 years and is the current Fire Chief of the Florissant Valley Fire Protection District in Missouri. Chief Hovelman lectures on leadership, officer development, and tactics and serves as an educational board member for FDIC. Good morning, Chief. Thanks for being a guest on the kitchen table. Happy New Year. How are you? Good morning. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me, and things are good. Can't can't complain at all. <laughs> um, I want to first thank you so much for, uh, number one, just being on the show. Um, and I've mentioned this before many times, that the success of the podcast, it simply goes to the leaders that are willing to come onto the show and to share their message, their stories, their philosophies, perspectives, um, basically on leadership and to get our listeners to, um, you know, engage and to learn a little bit. And it's leaders such as yourself uh, that help us further this conversation in leadership. And it was Chief Frank Viscuso who was on the show a year or so ago, and he publicly challenged over a dozen leaders publicly here on the show. And uh, he included you on his list of challenges, both uh, publicly on the show and even on the side. So Thank you so much for being a guest. And before we just dive into this conversation around leadership, would you mind sharing a little bit about uh, Chief Holman? Maybe career, family, hobbies, book writing as well. We'll dive into some of that. Maybe some of your work with FDIC or anything before we just dive into leadership discussion. Absolutely. Uh, thanks. It's a privilege to be here and uh, really uh, appreciate the opportunity to sit and talk. But um, I I got my start in the fire service as a teenager. I grew up in a small rural town in Missouri, about an hour outside of St. Louis, and uh, became a, a junior firefighter in the mid-80s. And I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do. Um, and um, so my entire life really is revolved around the fire service. Uh, became a career firefighter 28 years ago. And... Um, just have never looked back. Certainly ebbs and flows in your career. Um, been married for this April to be 30 years, I think. 
yeah, 30 years in April. We have four kids and uh, the two youngest are still in high school. The two oldest are out of high school, but they're still living in the house as, as is not too terribly uncommon. Um, I've had the real fortunate opportunities uh, that have presented themselves. And I've been lucky uh, in my career. Um, don't ever discount the, the, the luck that comes your way. And I know it's created sometimes, but um, I kind of cold called Bobby Halton several years ago. Uh, I don't remember. It's in the late two thousands, I guess. And um, I was running a firefighter one and two program in my rural hometown. And uh, I would do a program every other year. And these are primarily volunteer uh, members who are, they work and live in these small rural towns and communities. The likelihood of them being able to uh, have the opportunity to be career or the will or the want to be career firefighters just wasn't probably uh, high on their list. But I wanted them when they finished the program to have something they could really remember. And so I called, I cold called Bobby Halton through an email. I said, hey, would you be willing to come to Sullivan, Missouri? I know you've never heard of it. Um, and pass out the certificates of these for these firefighter one and two graduates and give a little keynote and then do a class the next day. And uh, the charge and the money went to the Courage and Valor Foundation at the time. And without hesitation, he said, yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, this was in March that year, not too. too it was pretty close to FDIC, which is the busiest time of the year. Yeah, April. And uh, he came and gave a great keynote. and. Uh, a friendship was forged there, and he said, hey, you should put in for FDIC. And so I did. I got got in, and um, I've been in, I've been, you know, honored and privileged to be able to present there for the last 13 or 14 years, I think, and on the advisory board, the education board, um, write for the magazine, do a couple of web webinars and podcasts like this uh, for a fire engineering. And so um, I've had a lot of people Frank Viscuso mentioning me. So I've had a lot of people help forge my path. And my hope is that through through folks like yourself that are doing the same thing, that we can help others, you know, find their journey and, and their place in the fire service and and uh, share what they've got. Everybody's got a perspective. Topic might be the same, but everybody's got a little bit different story, how it impacted them or how they used it. And I think that's what is really important with things like what you're doing. And the things that people have done for me uh, led to an amazing friendship with guys like Mike Gagliano and Mike Dugan and Bill Gustin, legends who I looked up to and read about for years now are friends of mine because of the relationships that have been created through these opportunities and the grace of others to give people like me a chance. And for that, I'm forever grateful. And God rest Bobby's soul. He, he was very good to me and gave me a lot of opportunities. Oh, wow. Thank you for for sharing all that. And you mentioned something that we haven't talked about much actually here uh, on the podcast. Uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, messages or theories or concepts you can imagine are recurring. You know, we talk about whether about, you know, whether it be about servant leadership or accountability, integrity, so on and so forth. But you mentioned something that I think is very important is that you mentioned lucky. Um, a lot of things in not just the fire service, I believe, but in, in life and in this world is, is there's some luck involved and it's about taking advantage of when those opportunities arise because you might be in the right spot at the right time or be in the right shift or have the right mentor 
or whatever it may be at the right time, but capitalizing on that. And you mentioned something also that we do talk about on this podcast is relationships. And you said, Bobby Halton, you gave him a call and you said something that's, that's so important. Is he, you said that he said without hesitation, said, I'm going to come up. Yes. And I'll help you out. And I, I see that a lot. For example, where we're at today. I mean, I sent you an email chief a few months back and you responded and you didn't know who I was. And it was, it's so cool. I'm truly humbled that we've had individuals like yourself. We've had Frank Vizky. So you mentioned Rick Lasky. He's been on the show and they've responded and said, I'd love to come on the show. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's truly humbling that individuals are continuing to just say, yes, I would like to be a part of furthering the fire service still today. Some of these individuals are retired and they still want to give back. And so I think that that's amazing. So chief, thank you again for, for sharing that part. Um, so as we talk about leadership today, something that was on your list of discussions was self-awareness. Can you talk a little bit from Chief Holman's uh, perspective on the importance of self-awareness or what does that mean to you in terms of being a good leader? It's interesting. And, and I think it's important for people to understand that your leadership journey is going to change. And the things that you found important as a leader, um, when you first start to take those roles, whether in a formal position or as a person of influence or an informal leader in your organization or in life, you're going to find, hopefully, I think, that as you advance and move forward in your leadership journey, that the things that are important to you or that you identify as being integral or the most important parts are going to change, adapt, and evolve. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, those three things might, you know, what I thought about leadership, the three things I have up here today probably would be look a little bit different than they would to, than they did back then. And some of that comes with the maturity of, of your position, not just age, but as you mature in your, in your growth. And what I found through study and through practice and through failure, um, challenges and obstacles, is self-awareness, uh, it kind of, it, it, to, to put it in a nutshell, you have to be able to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, right? And so you have to be able to lead yourself before you're going to have the capacity to effectively lead people um, in your charge or in your circle that are looking to you for guidance. And so some things that, that come along with self-awareness is kind of what they like to call softer, the softer side of leadership, some humility, you know, a lot of humility, being vulnerable, having the willingness and capacity to not share just your wins and successes, but more importantly, to share your failures and struggles and how you overcame them. Probably the most important and critical lesson you can do is to share those things that tripped you up and not in a way that you go, well, we had to walk to, you know, uphill both ways of school kind of way, but in a way that says, hey, um, you're going to face challenges like this and here's how I dealt with the work. Here's how I dealt with it. It didn't work, um, but be prepared for these types of things. And um, you have to be able to have some introspection on who you really are and, and what you're really about. We're doing some leadership development in our organization this year. In this first month, one of the things that we've asked is that, um, and this comes from the book, book, The Leadership Challenge, but and we, we refined it a little bit, but we're asking them to, to build a banner if you will, on the top of your building. And, and that's that's who you are. And they pick that. And then I want them to build three pillars that hold that up that makes them accountable to what's on that header. 
and and how they choose to make sure they're holding up who they are. And there's no right or wrong answer, but it's important that we understand what we really are about. What what do we want to embody and who do we really want to be and how do we maintain that? How do we um, how do we project that and demonstrate that as leaders to build culture, to create environments that are productive, safe and healthy and and effective. Um, and so, you know, with that comes empathy and compassion and willingness for productive critique and being adaptable um, and then understanding what your values and ethics are in virtues, the, the actionable part of values. And so self-awareness, I think, is under it's very many times in leadership classes and books undervalued and, and not mentioned a lot. Um, but to me, it's the bedstone of where you start, because if you don't know who you are, it's almost impossible in my mind and experience to demonstrate what you want your people to be and, and where you want them to go. And sometimes that's a hard, that's a hard look in the mirror. Um, and it can be a difficult thing to process. And it, it's never too late for anybody. You may have had a difficult time in your first 10 or 15 years of your career and it, a, a switch flips. Mm -hmm. um, it's not too late to change what's on that billboard and who those, what those three pillars are at any time. Um, in fact, I, I would say it's quite admirable for people yeah. in those situations to do that um, and do it authentically and genuinely. Yeah. I, I, a question I have, Chief, is um, you mentioned in your leadership development in your organization. Can I ask what in your organization, what is your leadership development look like? Do you have is there is there a, a formal program for leadership development at, at all ranks, at some ranks? Does your organization have a leadership development curriculum, if you will? Uh, so we're, this is the first year that we've really formalized this kind of development. Um, I've got a battalion chief who is part of our training cadre, and he has developed um, for every position in our organization up to captain. Um, it's not necessarily leadership, but it's development. So if it's a book and if you want to be an engineer, you go through this and you can you, you do all these tasks and studying and things. If you want to be an acting captain, same thing, captain, acting battalion, and so on and so forth. And we're building it. We're, it's not done, um, but it's a good start. As far as leadership goes, typically we will we'll have, and we're ramping it up. Um, I kind of dropped the ball a couple of years ago, right after COVID. It was tough to get back on track, but we've always brought in an outside speaker once a year that was mandatory for our officers. Um, and, and we've had, uh, Jeff Johnson, who's retired from Oregon, uh, come in on a handful of vacations, which is, um, he doesn't really get out a lot anymore, but he's been great. Uh, we've had, um, Tom Jenkins join us virtually. We've had Frank Discuso join us virtually. Um, we're, we're just kind of getting back into people in person. Um, and so that's been one component, um, yeah. Like we started a couple of years ago with some strategic planning sessions with all of our officers that led into some development stuff. Then last year, we spent about five months going through some officer development, about you know a two-hour session every month with all of our officers. And then we allow the acting captains and anybody that's interested in leadership to, to join. And so this the class I just mentioned to you, I've got about seven or eight people who are not of formal rank. Um, or even acting captains, and for that matter, that are taking the program. So nice. we're, we're trying to build it around that 
Yeah. Um, I'm already looking at the book for next year that we're going to use to guide and facilitate our leadership development. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I'm hopeful that we'll do a better job at it than what we have in the past. But it's that's that's kind of where we are with it. Oh, no, I love it. And I mean, you, you bring in an outside perspective voice and you bring sure. in obviously influential individuals to come in and help offer that perspective, right? Because that perspective is key. So it's not just the same individual from the same organization, always giving the same stuff that maybe your people already know. But I like that because uh, it's just bringing out other perspectives, voices, information that are going to be new to, to to some of us. And so I'm working on this uh, this leadership. Uh, it's a cohort in a, of a leadership academy currently. And our group, it's a group of five of us from different organizations around our county. And we were tasked regional officer development. And our group has changed it because we did this survey. We sent it out to company officers all around the county, actually two different counties as well. Um, just kind of the state of their current officer developments. And we found out that through the survey, what was missing is leadership development. So we actually changed our our uh, title, if you will, of our work group to instead of officer, a regional officer development to a regional leadership development, because we noticed that's what a lot of uh, current company officers, new company officers, aspiring, even ones that are you know chiefs now noticed and gave feedback on this anonymous survey that leadership development was what was lacking. And so what will become of it, uh, we don't know, a recommendation, um, I, I'm certain of some sort of leadership development, but that's why I wanted to lean on that to find out what is it that other people are doing. Just, I'll share whatever I have with you. Yeah, that's that, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Integrity, that that, that it goes without saying, so, you know, most, most of the time. That's also on your top, um, you know, in terms of leadership, got to have integrity. So uh, can you offer your perspective, Chief, on the importance of integrity? What I've learned is that word is much easier to say than to practice at times. Agreed. Even Agreed. though it's such a critical part of leadership. And yes. it's it's not always big things, but it's the small things that are, are demonstrated. And I think that's the important word that I've learned is that you're a leadership program. We can we can provide all the resources and we can provide all the, the words and everything that we're talking about. But if our current leaders aren't demonstrating those things, it's lost. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be modeled and it has to be demonstrated daily. So integrity, um, it's little things like stopping an inappropriate conversation. It's making, holding someone accountable. And most of us come from small departments where we know everybody and yeah. we're, we're probably friendly with everybody. And everybody knows the skeletons in our closet. And so as officers, sometimes it's easy to take the easy way out to avoid those confrontations, those conflicts, or being called out. That self-awareness, again, starts creeping back in, right? So integrity, what I've seen and witnessed and been faced with is that it's a sacrifice when you become a leader to really have and be a person of integrity because it is going to require you at times um, to sacrifice what's comfortable, mm -hmm. what's favorable, what's convenient. Sometimes friendships can can be hurt, although that's not the intent. Um, you can get labeled as a guy that forgot where he came from. Um, you can be labeled a lot of things. And when you start as an as a person who wants to be accepted, as we all do in a part of a group. <laughs> There's a great old video from Candid Camera from the 60s. And it, it show, and I show this in my classes. And it's a picture of 
uh, people on an elevator. You may have seen it. And and the candid camera people get in the elevator wow. and face the back. And the people that don't know what's going on don't know what to do, but they don't want to be different. So they face the back. And, and, and for us, we can't let that damage or compromise our integrity being part of the group. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges that people are going to face is how you handle confrontations or complaints from the citizens, how you handle being confronted, how you handle being flipped off at an intersection by a citizen. The, the lay on the air horn. It's those little things yeah. where integrity matters. And um, of course, the big things do, too. You know, right. um, major, you know, major lies and dishonesty yeah. and deceit and, yeah. and those things. But it's the it's those it's a slippery slope once you start yes. to making compromises to avoid being uncomfortable or inconvenienced or unfavorable yeah. that your integrity starts to take a hit. Well, you uh, you say something very important because I have it on my notes to mention to you. You just said two of the words. You said complacency begins with comfort and convenience. You wrote that. Uh, I wrote it down because I must have been in one of your books, right? Um, so you mentioned that, and it it sparked my memory. But uh, you mentioned something important because you mentioned integrity as small things and big things. And sometimes when you when when we think of integrity, the definition that comes out oftentimes is you know doing the right things when no one's looking. Well, right. it's also doing the right thing when everyone's looking. So it's uh, it's the obvious, and it's also not the not so obvious. Hardest when everybody's watching. Exactly, exactly, right. Like, and what you said is uh, stopping a conversation that shouldn't be had. Like that is the hard thing, but that's also integrity because we know that's doing the right thing. And it's when people are watching, and so part of real, real quick, a part yeah. of integrity yeah. is being loyal, being loyal to your organization, whether whether you're happy with it or not, being loyal to the fire service being loyal to the community, being loyal to your members. There's a component of integrity that is directly related to being loyal and, and not, not being the person that complains about everything and that bashes your department and bashes your chief. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a component of integrity. Yeah. So loyalty. I like that. So to have integrity, you got to be loyal as well to your crew members yeah. and your organization. Transformational leadership. That, that's, that's a powerful term. Um, cause when we talk about transforming transformation, it's, it, it, it's changed. So can you talk about what transformational leadership is? Yeah. So when I first took, I took my first fire officer one class almost 30 years ago, and it talked a lot about, um, autocratic and democratic and the Aze fair and, and all of those kinds of leadership traits and Herzberg's theory of, uh, whatever, you know, all those things, right? Well, what I've learned over the time, over the years, and and this comes with, again, kind of the mature, maturity and paying attention to your to your surroundings and to the situations that you're placed in is that, you know, and, and now the big one is servant leadership, right? That's yes. emerged as a huge um, leadership trait. And I would say it's overused. Um, although we need to lead in service, Mm -hmm. uh, there are cons to just being a servant leader um, and, and that when we lose self-awareness, we sometimes can be taken for granted and, and we put ourselves in compromising positions sometimes needlessly at the sake of pleasing everybody. Right. So, yeah, what I've learned and, and transformational leadership is not my term. It's one that's that's right. out there. It's just not talked a lot about is that you have to be 
you have to have the flexibility and the capacity to lead based on your circumstances and situations. And so there's going to be situations that you're going to lead more autocratically because of the risks associated or the, or the time sensitivity of the, of the issue or the seriousness of it. There's going to be other times you're going to lead servantly. And, and we do that daily um, in, in how we do our business and our purpose. Um, there's going to be times you're going to lead uh, democratically where the, the whole of the group is the most important component of that. But I think what's important to understand is that you have to have the willingness to, to learn and identify, which means you have to have some patience and discernment um, to understand the situation you're in and to have the ability, especially in crisis situations, to respond rather than react. And so when you're able to do that, you're able to transform your leadership based on situation, based on person, based on the ask of your superior officers, which is going to make you more successful. It's going to make you more agile. Uh, it's going to lead you to better outcomes and better decisions. Now, with that being said, you know, it's easy for some people, and I've watched them do it, is they'll use all these different types of leadership traits to pass the buck to somebody else. Well, I'm delegating. Well, I'm letting them make decisions. I'm letting them do this and I'm serving so-and-so. Well, that these things aren't an excuse to get out of difficult discussions or difficult you know, decision-making. Right. They're there to use as a tool to attack the problem. Not everything's a, a nail, right? So yes. not every, you can't use a hammer on everything. And that's where transformation or leadership comes through. It is really important, but I, I see it typically in the people that um, work hard at paying attention and listening and observing and studying uh, leadership as a, as a, as a true skill. I, I mentioned it in every class, whether it's tactics or, or leadership is that what we do in the fire service, whether it's tactics or whether it's leadership is a practice. And, and I ask people, you know, if you, if you have an attorney, the reason law is a practice is because laws change. They change from case law, legislation, um, all these, they, they change from a number of reasons. And you want, I would venture to guess, an attorney who is practicing law, <laughs> not one that has practiced law, Correct. right? Medicine's the same way. You want a, 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 a cardiac surgeon that's going to work on you who's practicing medicine, <laughs> not one that has practiced medicine. That's a great. And point. so in the fire service, we want leaders and tacticians who are practicing our profession, not ones that have practiced it and believe that that's all they need to, to lean on. And so that requires some transformation in how we go about each situation and each circumstance. And so that's why I find that to be a very critical component to be successful. Wow, I've never thought of it that way. You're right. We want leaders to be current leaders and who are currently leading, not I was a leader. And just like medicine and, and, and law and all that. That's uh, thank you for that. It's uh, it's it hits home and uh, my brain can can, uh, can gather that. So I want to mention one of your books here, Chief. So no exceptions leadership. One thing that we talked that you talked about is you said, stop expecting you as in yourself in other people. And I've struggled with that in my career. And, uh, you know, early on, as well as a, as a company officers, you know, I wanted 
everyone to have the same expectations and same goals and accomplish. I wanted everyone around me and my crew to, to do that, but knowing that that's not realistic. And so when I heard that from you is people do disappoint you, they will disappoint you, but everyone also has a role. So can you talk about that concept of stop expecting you from others? Hard lesson learned. Um, yes, it is. Didn't make me incredibly popular um, when I was expecting the same thing I expected myself or anybody to do that in, in any in anything. Um, you can't expect the backup quarterback of an NFL team to be Tom Brady. Um, and, and, and so in the fire service, certainly not comparing ourselves to Tom Brady, but sure. there, there's a percentage of us that are really passionate about what we do and we put a lot of time and effort into it and we take our own time off to go to conferences. We read books, we do things like this. Um, and, and we're just really, you know, in love with what we do and, and we put a lot of extra time and effort into it. Um, does it make us better than everybody else? No. Um, does it make us, I would like to think that it has prepared me for where I am and, and put me in a position to be able to pass things along. But it, in the reality of it is the day I walk out of here, someone else the next day is going to be sitting in this chair and they may or may not be exactly what I am. Like They're, they're not going to be that. They're going to be different one way or another. But what I, what I found was that just because somebody comes to work at a firehouse um, and, and doesn't go to conferences and doesn't read all the books, but if they're all in when they're here on duty, that's, that's okay. Yeah. You're, you, you can't make them um, do all of the extra things. We just had a guy retire, and uh, he'd been here th almost 38 years. Wow. And he, he was an engineer. <clears throat> and if you ask anybody on this department if they doubted his skill as an engineer – or his, you know, he, he, when he was at work, he, he, you know, he did his job, anything you told him to do and he, and he could handle anything at all. You're not going to see him off duty at conferences. He's not diving into the books or the studies. He's not listening or watching these podcasts, but when he was at work, he was at work and, and he knew his job and he was at the top of the list of engineers to, if something went bad, who'd you want to pump panel? He'd be one of the top ones. And so I think we have to identify that there's different levels in our organization and it's the job is to make everybody effective and, and productive and, and in when they're here, um, encourage them to do more if they can. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's a season of life. Uh, somebody has got a bunch of young kids and they're coaching softball and baseball and high, or whatever they're coaching. They're probably not going to take as much discretionary time for conferences. And some of that is their family just doesn't want that. And, yeah. and that's a hard thing to do. Now, on the other hand of that is if you want to get promoted, there are some sacrifices that typically come with that, that you have to be willing to accept, which is time. And, and you have to choose sometimes. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, but at that point in time in your life, sometimes you have to pick and depend. And some people can balance that really well. And some people can't. Some people's families are more tolerant of that than others. And you have to you have to work around that. Um, so I had to learn that not everybody is that is at the same level, just like any team. Right. Any, any team has different levels of play, but they're still all on the team. 
Yes. And on game day, they have to come out and run the plays and they have to play their position and they have to fill their role. Um, and, and those are important things. And we have to appreciate those efforts, um, even though uh, maybe they're not what we would do or yeah. how we would do it. I, I, I love that. How does one adopt that? mindset right because I, i've struggled with it like you said early on you weren't necessarily favored for having that kind of a thought process but uh because i've struggled with you know i do want everyone to work super super hard i want everyone to read all the leadership books i want everyone to you know be the best mentor and leader in the organization but not everyone is going to be all of those things so other than just saying you know what i'm okay with that how can uh how can one learn to become okay with that yeah there's a self it's self-awareness and yeah. the longer i do this the more i see that self-awareness is so critical because okay. you know if you push people beyond their capabilities beyond their thresholds beyond their um you know what they're willing to tolerate you're going to lose them yeah but instead of saying hey read this book maybe you say hey let's talk about this paragraph or let's, let's have a discussion about these two sentences or, Hey, here's, here's a Ted talk. That's three minutes long. Yeah. Okay. Let's watch it and talk about it. while we're on duty. Mm-hmm. Then, then we're not, we're, we're not overwhelming people beyond what their tolerances are, but we yeah. might still, we might still be able to, to yeah. gain or garner some interest. Yes. So not to be confused with, being okay with someone not working that hard, you still leaders still have to try to engage, to motivate, to inspire, to get them to maybe say, you know what, okay, I do want to engage more than I was. Basically, in short, is it still a leader's job to try to get people to engage more, and but also meeting people where they're at, meeting people where they are. You yeah. can't expect everybody to come to your level. As a leader, you, your responsibility is to mentor, coach, yes, facilitate your members. And that's where that transformational part comes for is being able to identify where each member is and how can you collectively reach all of them with as many, as, as, as many efforts as you have to, right? So yes. small chunks, everything in small chunks, but that are consistent. Here's, a, here's something that I, I took away in one of your books, too, is as we talk about maybe someone having different expectations, different level of engagement, uh, something that you wrote, said was to be truly effective and grow as a leader, you cannot surround yourself with those that never question you or doubt you. You must have some people who question you and challenge you. That is so powerful because uh, oftentimes a lot of us, it's human nature. We like to be surrounded by people that are always agreeing with us, that support us in everything that we do, our decision-making, our thought process, and it is challenging to intentionally, we'll use that word, put yourself in a circle on a committee, on a crew or a group that you know people will kind of challenge you a little bit, push you a little bit. So can you talk about that concept? Because that's not an easy concept to adopt, especially as leaders, to put yourself out there where you know people are going to question you a little bit. And I think it's easier at the lower level of formal leadership because people don't like telling the fire chief that he's doing something bad. Sure. Right? It's sure. just not, not natural. But I do have a I do have people that um and I think what's important is not only put people around you that are willing to do it, but give them permission to do it. 
you, you need to call wow. it out and say, hey, like that. if I'm like screwing that. up, you you have license to respectfully tell me that. You, you have license to, you know, product, in, a, in a productive way, tell me that I'm screwing up. When I was a battalion, when I first made battalion chief, um, I had two more veteran captains on my ship that weren't crazy about my training background because of what we just discussed in my expectations. And so um, when I got into, when I became a battalion chief, I got out of the training division, but I still had a passion for doing classes and providing training and stuff. And so my, my crews had training from the training division. And then I was adding extra to my, my company officers because that stuff that was interesting to me and what I would do on a shift and a day-to-day thing. And, and uh, they finally met me in the office and said, gee, this is just too much. You know, you're, you, you know, we've got to do this every day. We got to do this every day. We've got the training we've got, and it went on and on. And they were right. Um, I would lie if I didn't tell you my ears got hot because I felt like we should all be doing this. Right. Um, but they were right. And I backed off and I, I stopped doing so much of that because it just wasn't, they were, they were just right. It just wasn't, uh, it was too much. It was yeah. going to burn them out. It's going to make them unhappy. It was going to make them resentful. And whether they showed it or not, they they yeah. were. And then they have to figure out a way to tell their crew why it's important and, and why they need to work harder and why they need to do more um, outside of what's already being assigned by the training division. So that was a, a lesson that I learned early on as battalion chief as it relates to this particular topic. And, yeah. um, and as a fire chief, when we have staff meetings, uh, they're they're free to, to say – if I'm, if I need to do something better or if I need to change what I'm doing or, or things of that nature. And, and uh, they normally do, they, they give me some feedback. Did that take time? Well, I guess I'm, I'm, what I mean by that is, I mean, obviously I was part of, probably part of your expectations early on to your crews and those that work with you and for you that, you know, Hey, I'm going to make mistakes. I need you to be upfront. Tell me, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing something wrong, if you have suggestions, uh, cause there are individuals right in uh, on crews that won't speak up. Uh, but did it take, was it difficult to create an environment, I guess is my point, to where your crew, your 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 peers will be open and honest all the time about these types of things? Because I, I don't know, I guess I, I would imagine in organizations all around, there are people that don't speak up because they're, you know, the, the environment's not conducive for such, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does, it does take time. And I don't know that we're perfect at it by any means. Um and the thing is, I can remember a couple of years ago, I guess during COVID, uh, one of my captains brought something up into me and I got mad. And then I had to apologize to him later. So it's an imperfect thing. It's a practice, right? There you so go. It's practice. Yeah. practice, yeah. Um, but but it does take some time and it takes, uh, re, you know, reiterating that you can do that. I mean, the person that probably does it the most with me is my shop steward. Um, we have a very, very good collaborative relationship that um, his wife and my wife kind of make fun of us because we'll, we'll literally have a, a knockdown drag out argument, screaming, hollering each other, hanging up on each other. doesn't happen very often, you know, maybe once, two or three years, but it does, <laughs> does occasionally happen. And then the next day we're having coffee, you know, yeah. it, it, and, but you know, they, they are good about calling me out if, if need be, and I'll do the same thing. But I think the important part of all this is that it's it's not for personal gain and it's not to show anybody up. 
And those conversations normally stay private. Um, people don't need to know about those things. Um, but it's, it's about course correction, right? And, and meeting the mission and our, our yeah. joint values. Does your organization have formal mentorship? I know we talked about a leadership curriculum. We don't. We talked about it. I think formal mentoring is difficult. Uh, I've been, I've had this conversation before, uh, formal mentoring versus informal mentoring. I would say that without a doubt, informal mentoring happens in our organization every day. Yeah. Um, and, and it's effective. Formal mentoring, if you use the real word mentoring, no, we don't, we don't have a program. The hope is that through these officer development training classes and programs that the people who are currently officers will help mentor the people that are participating that are not. Yeah. And that would be as close to formal mentoring as we have. Um, so informally, I know that it happens every day. Yep. And again, a lot of it happens at the lowest level in our organization. Um, and uh, I'm really blessed to have the people that I have that understand, you know, our mission statement, I changed when I became chief to try to, to really instill what we are, who we are about, and our people have really embodied it and ran with it and made it who we are as we take care of people. That's that's our mission statement. That's yeah. it. And and so our folks have bought into that. Well, they didn't buy into it. They created that. Yeah. Um, I looked at what our people do every day, and I looked at how they present themselves and, and who they are in the community, and it was that they take care of people. And yeah. so that was what, that, that's how that really came about. It wasn't yeah. It was a grand idea. It's, it was like, what do we do and who are our people? Well, our people take care of people. And that became our mission statement. And so they mentor through that mission on a regular basis on uh, in an informal level. And I think it's been effective. Um, you talked about a, a concept. And mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm not sure. I can't remember the reference. Uh, you talked about validation and feedback. And you, you talked about constructive feedback and talking about not necessarily having to validate others but do you know what i'm talking about yeah people are going to bring you problems as an officer or even as an informal leader at times depending on who you are i've got shop leadership that uh, are not of rank but have incredible influence in our department but the, the point i would think I, would, I think this is where you're going is that don't solve people's problems right away and don't validate things too quickly sometimes you want to guide them um like guardrails almost to get to the answer on their own. And, and that provides more validation than just solving the problem for them or to tell them they're right or to tell them they're wrong. It's about asking a lot of other questions that gets them to the point to where they need to be. And that builds confidence, that builds esteem. Um, it validates in their own mind that their decision-making is on point. Um, and it eliminates the idea that you're just gonna solve every problem for them because that's not what we want. If we're going to practice leadership, they have to practice making decisions. Um, and, and so that's just part of it. And if we all, all of the time just solve their problem or we just tell them, OK, or we tell them, yeah, that's right. We're not doing them any favors. And so before we validate too quickly, before we solve problems too quickly, let's guide them down the road. If they made this decision, let's figure out why they made it. What was their thought process and basis for making that particular decision? And then if it's the best one, hey, nice job and, and, you know, do it the same way next time. If there's other alternatives, then we can start discussing those and switch their process and their mindset just to just a little bit to get them to the other outcome. 
there's mentorship right there. Taking someone's issue, someone's problem, someone's question and helping them find the answer to that and not solving a form. I guess that's, that's, that's informal. But well, I guess that's even formal yeah. mentoring. That's, that's awesome. So the hot topic of the day chief is um, the one I'm going to pick here is the academics. I enjoy academics. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, I enjoy, you know, studying. I enjoy writing. I enjoy, you know, that type of, uh, you know, side of work, if you will, academics for chief officers. So what, what do you mean by, um, academics for chief officers. Um, did that relate also to other officers, company officers, if you will? Yeah, I think that any, I, I think where where I see this being the um, a, a pointed topic that that ruffles feathers is the idea that um, academics play can, can play too large of a role in the fire service, and I certainly understand chief officers in particular that are promoted with not a lot of experience. I think there has to be a combination of, but where, where I see the problem is, is two or three things. One is that we're a profession. And if we're going to be a practicing profession and, and justify to the public, the need for increased salaries and benefits for recruitment and retention those things, I think we need to be able to, besides just being a blue collar job, there's got to be some value to having education as as society progresses in that realm, so should we. Uh, do I think it should be only based on that? Absolutely not. Um, chief officers, I think in today's society, uh, academics is a critical component of that. And there's two reasons why. So the first thing I'll say is that there has to be a blend. But what the impression I get when I've had these discussions and debates is that the people on the floor are resistant to becoming propeller heads or to being paper chiefs. And so they, they, it's like, I'm not getting a degree because I'm an opera. We need salty operations people running these fire departments. Well, we need salty experienced firefighters running part of our fire service. Right. There's another part of it that requires the academic side. But I think more importantly, two things come to mind when I think of academics is um, it teaches you more than just having a certificate or, or a diploma. It teaches you how to research. And now with UL and other agencies that are doing a lot of research and not I'm not saying you have to have a degree to be able to do these things. Let me make it clear. Right. <clears throat> My job where I work. We don't have any position in my department right now that requires a degree of any kind. Okay. I'd like to change that, but it's a slow move. And I think it has to be done the right way in concert with all of the other components that are required to be a fire officer. So I'm not, I'm not pro just paper, but I do see the benefits of where it becomes very um, beneficial. Yeah. Professional leaders and, and civic organization leaders and all of the people that are business minded in any type of business um, wants to know that the people that are in charge of their tax dollars and in charge of their safety understands what they're dealing with and, and going through. Now, maybe not necessarily from a business degree, but how you talk, how you present yourself. Are you able to answer and ask the right kinds of questions? And a degree in itself, again, doesn't do that, but it's, it sends you down that road. But I think even more importantly is that if you look over the last 20 years and you look at 
job postings for the majority of fire chief's jobs and even, even assistant chief and deputy chief jobs, and in some cases, battalion chief jobs, they all want at least a bachelor's degree. Now we're starting to see a master's degree preferred. Those qualifications are not going to change. And if we want salty, experienced, operational-minded leaders running our departments, we need those people to go get degrees to protect our organizations because we need people at seat of these tables with city managers, with county executives, with county boards, commissions, because they're not going to change their requirements because we're kicking our we're, we're stomping our feet and slamming the table that we don't want to have to do that. We, we need our operational folks so that we can take care of our organizations. Yeah. The final thing I'll say is I think there's an opportunity for chiefs at the end of their careers who know how to take care of their people, that know how to, to build and maintain a fire department for the mission of preserving life and property, who are well-rounded, have experience, know the operation side, but also have the academic background to start filling roles as city managers and county managers and people who are running these overall city and counties to protect at, the, at a larger level our fire departments. Wow. And I don't mean that in a nefarious way, but sure. people that understand how important public safety really is and that it's not just a line item in their overall budget. And, and I think if we can get more of our experienced operational people to buy into the academic side, we can start seeing in the next 15 to 20 years, chiefs of, of, at, at different levels retiring out of the fire department and going to becoming city managers, county managers, so on and so forth. And it's only going to be good for our fire departments. Wow. You, uh, you said something very, it, it just clicked right there. One of uh, one of my uh, mentors as well. He was a chief in our organization. He actually, about four months ago, three months ago, he retired. Thirty-one years in the fire service, fire chief over there in Idaho, sorry Montana, and he is now a city manager over there. That's interesting that you just said that. That uh, it just clicked. More of it. And one thing I, I also want to point out. You mentioned research. You know, I when I went and got my degree, you know, it 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 taught so many things that I think we don't rec re realize, right? Like some people will say, you know, oh, you know, you can go out and get a degree as long as it's not in, you know, underwater basket weaving. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, everyone says that, but if you actually look at that and I feel people are going to turn this off right when they hear me say this, but that's okay. Is if you actually think about that, it's, it, you can actually learn so much because what does it do? It still teaches you how, how to research, still teaches you, you still have to write papers. You still have to communicate. You still have to meet deadlines. All those things are so important in a job as a firefighter, let alone, you know, a chief level or company officer or other. But now you take that topic and it's not underwater basket weaving. It's, you know, public administration. It's, you know, fire service leadership, whatever it might be. And you have a topic. Exactly. Let's break this down now because we like to have action items for our listeners to to they they've listened to a lot and now it's like what can we do? Talk to a newer firefighter in in the fire service. This could be a recruit, right? Uh, a probationary firefighter or someone that's new um, in terms of leadership, in terms of things that we've talked about today, according to chief Obelman, what's something that those new employees can start doing right now to just, you know, let's, let's take this leadership journey and let's go. What can they do? 
listen with intent and purpose, but don't be afraid to ask an inquisitive question that, that's that's meaningful and has purpose. Um, I, I think sometimes my generation and the generations before me sometimes feel like the younger generations are asking meaningless questions. But we all have to remember we're all we all came from different backgrounds, different uh, times in society where uh, you know most of our kids they never started a chainsaw, they never had to work on their car. They don't, you know, the, the things that I grew up with were all built to be repaired. The things that we have today are meant to be replaced. And so um, just simple things like that. And so we have to allow those questions to happen. But if you're a new firefighter, ask questions. Hey, what, you know, what do I need to do to learn this? Why did we, why is our hose done this way? Why ask really purposeful and meaningful questions. And then really study it and, and keep track of it. Write it down there, I say. Um, yeah, no, I love it. Be a, be a sponge, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't, you know, be inquisitive. You know, I think is really important. Be curious. Be curious. I love that. Ask a lot of questions. How about a newer, either newer company officer or an emerging leader, right? Maybe one of our listeners today. What's something that they can do to continue to grow as, as leaders? two things for the existing officers um remember it's not a finish line when you get promoted it's this. really just the beginning if you look at it as in perspective you are now the least senior person of that rank and and you should work as such to gain the respect and and, and trust of your peers and the people that you're working for um, and so it's just the beginning you're starting all over because you're you're brand new at that rank. for those that are aspiring i always love talking to aspiring officers or doing interviews for captains. And, and it's always, what will you do if you get promoted? Well, I would ask you, if you're an aspiring officer, to ask yourself that question. What will you do or what do you want to do when you get promoted? And start doing it now. Why wait till you're promoted? Yeah. Why, why wait to do all these great things until you have rank? Because most of them, you don't need that rank to do them. So why wait? Right. So um, that's probably the most important thing for that company or aspiring level. Why wait? Why? I mean, yeah, it's like tomorrow you're promoted. So then you'll start leading or you'll start motivating people. No, like do that yesterday. Yeah. Right. I love that. Uh, how about the senior individual or sorry, senior leader in the organization? Right. It could be chief officers. It doesn't have to be a chief officer. Right. It could be someone that's, um, you know, informal, but been there a long time. What's something those groups of individuals could now do to continue to be great leaders? There's four things that I've learned the hard way, um, and they're all on my computer screens. And I've got two screens here in front of me, and I've got four stickers on each screen. And one says discernment, one says patience, one says listen hard, and the other one says be measured. And if you can do those four things, because your job at the level we're talking about primarily is to solve big problems and crisis. Uh, and, and, and I'll also say is when, you know, I, I mentioned this and it's, it's kind of cliche, but most of us would say that nobody wants anybody's stuff to burn. We don't want anybody's house to ever burn. But we all kind of have a mentality that if that house fire does come in, we want to be on duty to go to it um, because we feel like we've, that's what we've trained for. That's what, that's what we got into the job for. Well, I think we have to switch our mindset a little bit when we become officers, especially at the chief level, is that 
we don't want chaos. We don't want personnel issues. We don't want legal issues. We don't want any of those big ticket hot button items to come to our door. But you know what? If they do, if they happen, I hope they come to me because as a leader and as an officer, that's what I've trained for. That's, that's the, the reason I took this job was to solve those problems. And so if we can have that discernment and be measured in our responses and listen really hard to solve the big problems and be patient with how we do those things, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to be successful for the most part. And the other thing is we got to get over ourselves. Just because we're the chief of the department, listen, if, if we're gone tomorrow, somebody else is going to be in our chair and our organization is going to do just fine. So do the best that you can and, and don't make yourself too big of a deal. Um, my wife, when I got promoted to chief, bought me a desk, you know, those little desk signs. Yes. You know, yes. it says Alderman or board or whatever. Oh, yeah, she bought yeah, yeah. me one. It says, and it says, I'm kind of a big deal. And, and, and what it's a reminder of is to not get too high on my horse is what that's for. Um, and it's in my home office. So, you know, and then finally, I think it's important that uh, you let your members do their thing. Um, don't don't get your hands into things it doesn't need to be in yeah. and um, and just provide guidance and resources and some oversight, but let your people work. Yeah. And uh, I think more times than not, um, they're going to prove to you that they do a good job and they, they take care of the place. If I can lean on, on one concept here, expectations that you talked about in your book and you talk about be professional, be generous, be productive, be constructive. And my favorite one is be aggressive. You gave an example. I must've been on your podcast with Frank Fiscuso, but you talked about be aggressive. And I have an example that I want to talk about very briefly, but can you talk a little bit real quick about what you mean by be aggressive? Cause you know, that, that has a connotation of like, okay, we got to get out there and we got to, you know, do all this kind of crazy stuff. That's not necessarily what you're talking about. So can you talk about be aggressive? Cause I, I, I think this is a great point to hit home. Yeah, being aggressive has been always associated or, or set in parallel with crossing a threshold with building fire or, you know, a, a complicated rescue to where we're putting ourselves at risk, right? Yeah. Well, being aggressive, to me, we, we sometimes pick and choose when and where we'll be aggressive. You know, I think you need to be aggressive with PR. Um, you don't have to wait for people to come to the firehouse to be a part of your community. You can be aggressive with prevention. Uh, even though you're not in the prevention bureau, call your fire marshal and say, hey, what can we do as a company today that that is going to benefit the district or look at a building or, or something in that in that nature? Be aggressive in solving problems. Don't wait to be told what to do. Take that initiative and be aggressive. Be, you know, we talk about engine company classes and, and chasing kinks because the kink on the outside, the nozzle team doesn't know exists. So the person responsible for fixing kinks is the one that found it. And, and we need to chase kinks in the firehouse and be aggressive with that. Um, be aggressive with um, your studying and be aggressive with relationships and be aggressive with EMS calls. Before the ambulance gets there, if you don't run EMS, get a blood pressure, get a blood, whatever your capabilities are, don't just wait for EMS to show up. Just have an aggressive mindset in that there's urgency to everything that we do, even if it doesn't sound important to us. It's important to whoever called. Um, that's aggressive. Being aggressive and ensuring your people are suited up, that you're taking whatever steps you take to decon after a fire, that you're doing air monitoring, that 
you're incorporating command training into your operations training that all of everything we do as a fire service and you as a leader, being a practitioner as opposed to practice, be aggressive at those things. And it, it doesn't mean reckless. It doesn't mean haphazard. It doesn't mean unfocused. You know, I think of a racehorse, right? And it could be the fastest thoroughbred on the track. Okay. And, and no matter what we do, that horse is the fastest thoroughbred on the track. But if we don't put these on that horse and a jockey on it, yeah, it won't win the race. It's just going to go everywhere. It's still aggressive in the race with this, but it's focused. And that's where we need to be in everything we do in our profession. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. That's, uh, you'll appreciate this story. This was literally a few shifts ago. And um, we were driving. We were doing area familiarization for a new driver um, on the crew. And we were just driving. We were driving the neighborhoods. And it was raining out. And we were checking a couple of addresses. And we were just driving. And then we see just a kid. Kid and his mom just, just over there down a driveway. We, we could kind of hardly see him. And we were just like, hey, stop. Like, why stop? Just stop for a minute. And so stopped. And then we went out and just, you know, said hello and chatted. And, and that was it. There was no, we were in the middle of doing an errand. We didn't have to stop. It was raining out. They weren't expecting us to come say hi. You know, they weren't even waving us down. It, it, we just stopped and said hi. And so I love this be aggressive piece because I thought of you because I heard this first. This was probably a year ago or eight months ago when you first, uh, when you first did the podcast with uh, Chief Escuso because I heard it then. And then, so I wanted to share that here when you said be aggressive because you said uh, PR. And so that's kind of what we were doing. And it was, it was no, it was just cool. It was just cool. No one asked us to do it. And uh, anyways, I want to share that because I think that's kind of the be aggressive part is we don't even know how uh, much of an impact, uh, you know, we have in that person's life. For all we know, that little kid might grow up to be a firefighter one day because of what we did. Who knows? And we don't need to know other than the fact that be aggressive is kind of what's important out of all that. And so I wanted to not let the entire show go by without you talking about that. So thank you. Um, So chief, um, we are here today because of the leadership challenge, which is an awesome part of this uh, this show. We can continue the conversation, help us reach more leaders that are willing to share some concepts, philosophies, messages, perspectives on leadership. I mentioned Chief Escuso mentioned you. That's how we're here. And so I'll ask, is there someone out there, Chief, that you would like to um, challenge publicly on this show where we can reach out on the kitchen table to see if this individual would like to share a leadership message. Yeah, so I've not seen all of your podcasts, so I hope I'm not repeating the name. <laughs> there's but, been some repeat names, but that's okay. I love it. There's, there's a couple in mind. The one guy that comes to mind who's a really good friend of mine and who, who's been a mentor of mine over the years and who I think is just phenomenal with his message is Steve Krzbikowski, uh retired chief officer. There you go, right there. Yeah, I don't know if you've had him on yet or not, but uh, he's phenomenal. And uh, has such a great message that's just so common sense, right? And it, and it goes back to why haven't I thought of that or, or why haven't I considered it that way or I didn't look at it like that or, or whatever it might be. And so I think Steve would be a, a great guest for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I actually, as I showed you, I actually have one of his books. I We have not had uh, Steve on the show, but uh, this book I will say here is uh, – it's, it's 101 Tips to Ace Your Promotional Exam. I got that book when I was aspiring to be a lieutenant years years ago. And what I enjoyed about his book, but what I enjoy so much about your book as well, and I think I told someone else as well in the books that they write, and, and actually before we close, if I could lean on your writing just very briefly, is 
is the things that are so, you know, brief, you know, cause firefighters sometimes our attention span are not necessarily the, the widest, if you will. But when you have these subheadings and it just goes into a page or two of like action item type thing, it makes it so feasible to do. And I was reading this, I was like this book. And when you, so you mentioned Steve, how do you pronounce his last name? Chris Borowski. Chris, Bur- Chris Borowski. Um, Chris, 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 Chris Borowski. Okay. There you go. You mentioned the name and I went right to my office and said, you know what? I got to pull out this book. I think that's who he's talking about. I'm like, that's who he's talking about. It is. So that's anyways, him. so thank you so much. I'll gather his contact info from you later and we just shoot an email. And uh, if he's uh, willing to come on, that's awesome. And if not, that's people are busy and we understand that as well. So before we close, can you talk about your writing chief about, uh, you know, first of all, where can we find chief Povelman? You know, I know you're out there, you do seminars, you, you teach leadership and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm on the road. You're on the road. Uh, a few times a year. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I don't, uh, I don't chase it down much anymore. Being a chief, yeah. Yeah. so I get asked to go. I always try to work it out. Yeah, uh, but it's easy. Uh, the probably where you can see most of my content is the new fire officer on Facebook. Right, um, right. It's uh, it, 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 a lot of the things we talk about are in small chunks on there. And then if you. Uh, you don't want to get a hold of me. It's just jholvelman at gmail.com. Really easy way to get a hold of me. Um, it, basically, any social media outlet you can find me. And uh, yeah, I'll be at FDIC. So if you're going there, look me up. Yeah. I should be there all week. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm teaching on Friday. Okay. Yeah, the only one time that uh, I, and I, I beat myself up about it. Back in 2019, I was new to the train division and, uh, the training officers there was like, Hey, are you coming to FDIC? I'm like, I, I don't know. Am I supposed to? And they're like, yeah, the training division, we all go. And I didn't go that year, but my colleague who was on the training division with me from my department went and I was like, I'll just go next year. Well, next year COVID hit. And then the next year COVID. And then, so I never got to go and I was beating myself up because I should have went that one year in 2019 when this huge group went. And so um, I will go one of these years. I don't know. Well, I can say it won't be this year. But I am going to go at some point. So I will definitely look you up because uh, I hear it's it's the best. It's awesome. So last thing, leadership thoughts, Chief, before we close the kitchen table today. Yeah, so I'm just going to leave you with with a few things that without – and they, they're, they're pretty much self-explanatory, okay? If you want to write down some traits and behaviors that you can start demonstrating, practicing, passing on, mentoring to others, okay? And things I like to look for – in aspiring leaders before they're promoted um, is always give all out effort, no matter what it is. And that kind of goes back to that loyalty, always provide and demonstrate that effort to your crews. It's contagious. Have enthusiasm when you show up to the job. It can be the worst day uh, of on the schedule, but you're attacking it with some enthusiasm and energy. Be engaged when you're at the firehouse, be at the firehouse and, and do firehouse stuff. Now, we all have some downtime, I understand that, but be engaged into the job when you're there. Empower others to do well. Empower people to succeed. Empower people to make decisions. Empower people to take chances and to take opportunities when maybe they don't see them on their own. And then have that energy when you when you come into work and with every task that you do, bring an energy to the room and to the atmosphere so that uh, it's, it's, done, it's just a better environment and people are happier. Show some empathy when people are struggling. Don't, you know, the, the fire service, there's always those jabs and things that's part of our culture and it's all good. But you have to identify when it's more than that. 
and, and to be able to empathize with people and, and, and see what they need, um, have a little compassion and, and find people. And also with your community, have empathy with what they're going through. A lot of the things they struggle with, most of us are not. And, and that we need to be aware of that and we're their last resource or hope, um, no matter how big or small. And then be even and steady, especially as an officer. Don't be Jekyll and Hyde. Don't make them guess who's coming to work today. Have that evenness and steadiness, that patience, that discernment um, in, in how you approach your work and your people and, and the things you do day in and day out. And then finally, explore. And what I mean by that is look outside of your own biases and perspectives and your own experiences. If, if we only leaned on the knowledge and experiences of our own organizations, that's as good as we'll ever be. And as good as we all are, it's not good enough. And we have to get outside and explore the things we don't know and the things we don't know we're aware of. And, and to bring that back into our fold and share that to broaden everybody's perspective, broaden everybody's knowledge bases and, and experiences vicariously or through your own. But that, that's that stagnation. If we don't explore our profession and explore our curiosities we're only going to be as good as the people in our organization. It's not a knock on our people. It's just right. a fact that we're right. limited to that group. That's it. And, right. and we can be so much better than that by exploring. Innovation. That's where innovation takes place as well. So thank you, Chief. Um, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today at the Kitchen Table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable. And we hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to spread the leadership conversation. Until next time, be safe be intentional and stay curious.